0: This is the Building Resilience podcast, episode 154, How to Grow Your Capacity. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. I am happy to have you here. And today I am excited to be talking about growing your capacity. In the advanced training for nervous system resilience, we have been talking a lot about this topic, growing your capacity for safety specifically. And just a reminder that if you're interested in doing a deep dive into your nervous system, or if you're a coach or a helping professional and want to become nervous system informed, which will completely change how you coach and your clients will benefit tremendously participants have said even in this training that the deep dive into understanding your own nervous system has been life-changing for them personally and for their clients. So then you may be interested in joining the next round, which starts in January. The waitlist is open. So make sure you're on it because the door is open to the waitlist first next week. And the link to get on that waitlist is in the show notes. All right, let's get back to growing your capacity. Now, you may wonder what that even means. If you go back and listen to earlier episodes about the zone of resilience, it was episode 110, you'll hear me talk about that zone of resilience, that zone of safety. This is a zone of connection. It's what we can call home. It's where we want to be spending the most time in and living from. It's where we have access to our thinking skills, where we can process our emotions in a healthy way, where we can be creative and compassionate and tolerant and, of course, resilient. So in this zone, we have the capacity to handle life's everyday adversities and even some bigger challenges. Now, for many of us, this zone can be quite narrow. The size of a zone really depends on so many different things. Yes, genetics are involved, but our zone of resilience is very much a function of our past experiences, the thousands of imprints that have been made upon our nervous system, our past and present traumas and illness and adversity, our relationships, our stress level, and even our levels of fatigue. So your zone can shrink and your zone can grow. The wider the zone, the better. Because that means you have a greater capacity. That means that your nervous system has more flexibility. It can tolerate the ups and downs. You are more resilient. You can bend and not break. You can fall down and get back up. Growing that zone is really important. Growing that capacity is important. And learning how to feel safer is important. Now, as we have been talking about in the advanced training... This safety is truly the key to healing. We really want to learn about our nervous system. We want to learn how to befriend our nervous system. And we want to grow our capacity for safety. And then we need to learn how to spend time in that safe space. Before we talk about growing, I do want to talk a little bit more about safety, because again, it's one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot more recently, and I just want to talk more about what I mean by safety. Safety for some may mean just not taking any chances, any risks, staying well within your comfort zone. And while that can be a definition of safety, I do want to expand it a bit. Because when it comes to the nervous system, safety does not mean no discomfort or a lack of challenge or doing something that does not require any courage. If courage is in the mix, then we know that fear is going to be lurking somewhere because you don't need courage if there is no fear. But I want you to kind of think of safety like you need to be safe enough. You are safe enough to take risks. You need to grow because we all need to grow. We want to be growing that zone of resilience. You don't want to be feeling so safe that you never have any challenge. You need to have some resistance. You need to be able to stretch. And then we need safety to be able to recover over and over and over again. So we're not talking about the kind of safety that keeps you small and hiding and not taking any risks, keeps you well within your comfort zone. We want to be taking what we can call smart risks, risks that we know will lead us to some type of expansion. And I talk about smart risks a lot with my clients who have a traumatic brain injury. For example, we know that every time you ride a bike or drive a car, there is a risk associated with it. But if you don't ever ride a bike or drive a car, you won't be able to do anything. So it is a risk that we want to take. But we can do things to up our level of safety. We can wear helmets. We can follow the traffic signs. We can have reflectors and use hand signals and use bike lanes when possible. Or when we're driving, we can wear a seatbelt. We can follow the traffic laws. We can drive defensively. So being smart about it, we can take smart risks. So that's what we're talking about here. Safety is not doing nothing. Safety is just the opposite of danger. It's the opposite of feeling completely overwhelmed. It does not mean that you won't be uncomfortable for periods of time, and over time, you will feel that discomfort. It is really being able to be safe while you stretch and grow. It's creating more of that flexibility in your nervous system to tolerate growth. Another analogy is think of going to a gym and lifting weights. And we'll often hear somebody say you want to do that safely. Well, what does that mean? Picking the right weight, not too heavy, but not too light. Picking the right exercise to target the area you want to work on. Making sure you're doing so in an environment that is set up for weightlifting. Fueling your body for the weightlifting. And then making sure that you're getting adequate rest afterwards. So that is how you would lift weights. Safely. It's no different with the nervous system. You need to fuel your body. You need to get adequate rest. You need to choose the appropriate activity that will stretch you but not completely overwhelm you. You have to go slowly. You likely would benefit from co regulation, like having a quote unquote personal trainer around. You need to make sure the environment is conducive to weightlifting. Safety is needed to grow capacity. We need to grow to allow all the good things to come in our life as well. So, we can often look at safety as being the opposite of overwhelm. It is a feeling of being more grounded, more present. It is a place of refuge that you can land. And again, safety, we want to grow to allow the good things. We need to increase our capacity, not just to tolerate challenges, we need to increase our capacity. To allow for more joy, more gratitude, more kindness in our life. So that's a bit about safety. For many of us, we have lived outside that zone of safety for a long time. We are not even familiar with what safety feels like. And so to be even safer, we just stay where we are. Because we're not used to it, it feels familiar. Well, I must be okay. Even if It's somewhere that's not good for us. It is familiar to us. It is what we know. So it gives us this illusion of safety because it is familiar. Many of us have either been living in Team Hyper or Team Hypo. We may not even recognize what safety is, never mind how to grow the safety. And today, I want to give you a few more analogies to think about growing your capacity. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a bit, you're likely aware I love using analogies and metaphors to help us understand things a bit better. So I'm going to offer a few different ones today. Some are going to be better than others, but hopefully at least one will resonate with you and help you identify what you need to do to grow your zone of resilience, to increase safety in your life, and to grow your capacity. I first want to start with analogy of having something small like a balloon. If I want to blow up one balloon, and I'm the only one around to do it, and I have to do it by mouth, there's no air pumps around or anything like that, I have to start by blowing one breath. I have to do it one breath at a time. And initially, those first couple of breaths feel like they're not doing anything. But eventually, we get enough air in the balloon, and it starts getting bigger and bigger. It's slowly stretching. It's growing its capacity. We are like the balloon. We can't assume that one breath is going to grow our capacity. It's consistently blowing into the balloon that grows a balloon. Now, sometimes it's going to be a small breath. Sometimes it's going to be a bigger one. The size of the breath really doesn't matter. What matters is that you are blowing into the balloon consistently and then the balloon will grow. Another way I like to think of growing capacity is to take the example of having the stomach flu. Now, I don't want to actually talk about having the stomach flu because I know that's usually quite unpleasant, but I want to talk about what you do when you start feeling better after you've had the flu. So maybe you've been sick and you haven't been eating or drinking. Maybe you've just been having water. And then you might slowly progress to sipping on some Gatorade or some ginger ale just to stay hydrated. Then maybe you might graduate to some clear broths. But eventually, as you start feeling better, you want to start introducing some solids. So do you go right out and purchase a Big Mac? No, that's usually not even appealing. You don't even want it. We start with some very basics. And they call it the BRAT diet. And the BRAT diet stands for bananas, rice, apples, and toast. And if those things don't appeal to you, then you stick with other things that are very plain, like toast or oatmeal you don't have massive amounts, you take small bites, you space them out, you see how well you tolerate them. You are growing your capacity to keep the food down. And you don't worry that that's how you're going to have to eat for the rest of your life. You know that you're just trying to slowly work your way up to tolerating food and getting your appetite back. Eventually, you will want to eat. And eventually you may even start craving things that may sort of feel or sound disgusting to you when you are sick. So you're growing your capacity to tolerate the food. The next example I want to give is just to simply share what happens when we learn. Think of a child going to school. When they first go to kindergarten, they will learn certain concepts. They will learn to count. They will learn to write their names. Maybe they're doing that earlier these days. Maybe it's in preschool they do these things. But the point is, with every grade, there is a curriculum. And the curriculum builds on the previous year. Nobody expects a kid in kindergarten to understand algebra or calculus. But by the time they get to high school... And then even further, their knowledge base has tremendously expanded. Again, we don't put them in kindergarten freak out because they're not doing calculus and then just abandon their education. We know that they're going to learn slowly. In many faiths, and actually in scriptures, they talk about how we learn. We learn line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Imagine what would happen if everything was given all at once. Imagine how overwhelming that would be. We probably would not be able to take everything in. I often think of this when I see new parents. So another analogy. I remember new parents used to look at Rob and I when we were out and about with our five kids, and they would often ask us how we did it. But the truth is, it would have been really overwhelming if we started off with five kids all at once. Or we started off with five kids who are at a very sassy age all at once. But what happens is you grow with your kids. They start off young and you learn and adapt to how they are then. And then you grow and adapt and you might add another kid and then you grow and adapt to that. And it definitely becomes trickier if you end up having twins or triplets, or if you end up adopting or fostering children who are older because you've had less time to grow your capacity. It definitely was a change for me. When I went from having two kids to having five, I didn't have the capacity right away. It was really overwhelming. Just to share a funny story. When we first got married, our kids were between the ages of three and 10, and we needed to get a nanny. Now, my boys had been in daycare, but it was much more cost effective to hire a nanny when we had five kids now that had to go into daycare. So we hired one, but before she even started, she decided to quit saying she had thought it over and she felt like she did not have the capacity to deal with five kids, especially four boys and one girl. Luckily, we found a new nanny, and she had a lot of experience. So I assumed she had the capacity to handle my crew. Well, the first day, she almost quit. She told me the kids were very challenging. One of them, I won't mention names, had even threatened her that he was going to call 911 on her. Now, I can't remember exactly what went down. I think I probably just blocked it out, but that was day one, and I am so grateful that she stayed, but I do remember calling Rob in tears, wondering, how are we going to do this? We are dealing with all these little personalities and dealing with exes. There was so much drama about that, but Rob comforted me. We were in this together. We were committed. We would get used to things. We would figure things out one day at a time. We would grow our capacity. It was a very steep learning curve for us. It definitely had a lot of growing pains. And it is even harder if we feel like we have to move quicker than we're moving. But remember, growing your capacity takes time. Eventually, we adapted to having the five kids, the crazy schedules, I don't know if we ever completely adapted to all the crazy things that happened because of X's, but we grew our capacity to be able to tolerate these things. Now, the last analogy I'm going to offer you is one of my favorite ones. It's a bit silly, but it is based on a concrete example. And sometimes these silly ones with some concreteness are the ones that resonate and stick. I want to talk to you about your wardrobe. Now, let's say all the clothes in your closet are black. You have black pants, jeans, black shorts, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, black dresses, socks, shoes, boots, ties, underwear. You get the point. Everything is black. So when you go to get dressed in the morning, what are your options? Well, obviously black. Everything. You have no other choice but to wear black. But what if you're tired of black? What if you see everyone around you wearing color and you think, I want to try something different. I want color. But you look in your closet and it's all black. So maybe one day you go on a shopping spree and you buy a whole bunch of colorful clothing and you pull together for yourself a rainbow outfit and then you decide to wear it and you wear it outside and you look down and you see all the colors and you're like, oh my word, what did I do? You feel totally out of place. You feel like everyone's staring at you. You feel ridiculous. And then you go back and change and you vow never to wear color again. Color is just not for you. What if you did it differently, though? What if you slowly started adding color to your wardrobe? Maybe you buy some beige underwear, maybe a white t-shirt, and you wear that white t-shirt with your black jeans and your black hoodie. It's underneath the jeans and underneath the hoodie. But you're still wearing it. Then maybe you find a navy blue pair of jeans and you add those to your closet. And the next time you're out shopping and you see this really cute soft pink blouse, over time you start adding more and more color to your closet. And then over time, you start to wear more color out. You slowly build it up and get comfortable wearing it. Maybe you start wearing it to a friend's house. Maybe you start wearing it just around the house. Maybe you start wearing it grocery shopping. Eventually what happens is you have a closet filled with lots of colors and shades and styles, you have a more diverse clothing collection that you can wear out. And when you think about what you want to wear, guess what? You have more options than just black. Now, obviously, the black clothing represents danger, and I have nothing against black clothing. I have a ton of black in my closet. But let's say in this analogy The black clothing represents danger. Your nervous system has imprints of a closet filled with black clothing. You will always pick a black outfit because that's what's available and familiar to you. Even if you want to add color, which we'll call safety, initially, you don't have any. And even as you start buying pieces, you still have way more black to take from. But as you slowly start buying more color, slowly start wearing more color maybe very subtly just with socks and then a t-shirt. And again, like I said, maybe you only wear some color to certain places with certain people, or maybe you wear it at home first and change before you go out. Slowly you start building up more comfort and confidence in being in different colors. You start building up more and more experiences of safety. You start slowly growing your capacity. You are changing the landscape of your closet, of your wardrobe. You are giving yourself way more options to wear. You're not stuck in the same old black danger clothes. You are expanding. You are expanding your closet like you're expanding your zone of safety and resilience and capacity. The more you slowly introduce color into your wardrobe, the more your wardrobe and your style expands and you will eventually embody it. It will eventually become You. So those were all just different examples. Hopefully one resonated with you. Hopefully you can see that in order to grow your capacity, there are a couple things that are helpful. Small, tiny, micro changes done slowly over time with some level of consistency will help you grow your capacity. If you want to grow your capacity for safety, you have to start adding in micro moments of safety. You have to first start identifying micro moments of safety and start introducing more of them. We want to keep adding more and more experiences of safety to build up more color. We eventually want the colors to outnumber the black items, but it takes time and we need to be patient. We are not trying to make massive changes tiny messages of safety will really have big impacts. Don't underestimate what you can do to shift in the direction of safety. Now, what does that look like in real life, since I've been using all these different analogies? Well, it can start by looking at some of those pillars of health that we talked about back in episode 114. These are the fundamentals that we need to have in order to have good physical and mental health. And those pillars that we talked about were sleep, movement, nutrition, sunlight, and connection. Growing your capacity won't look like tackling all of these at once or making massive changes in each area. It may, for example, just look like something subtle, say with sleep, starting to go to bed at the same time. Or maybe with movement, doing five minutes of movement that you enjoy every day. Maybe nutrition-wise, you're going to start by drinking two glasses of water per day. Maybe you're going to try to get five minutes of sunlight every morning. Maybe you have a five-minute conversation with somebody at a coffee shop. And sometimes it's doing all of these five-minute things, and sometimes it's just picking one of them. That is one way to slowly build up your capacity to have these five pillars in your life and to have them be solid. Now, another way is to choose a goal, something that maybe you want to accomplish down the road and then slowly take small micro steps towards the goal. So for example, if my goal is to run a marathon, my micro step might be to get outside and to walk for five minutes, then increase that to 10 and then increase it to 20 and then 30. You're slowly growing your capacity. Or perhaps my goal is to grow my business. And maybe I want to start by increasing my presence on my social media channels. Maybe it doesn't feel safe for me to do that. Maybe I worry that people will criticize me or mock me. In order to increase my capacity to deal with those things, I may start with simply making a comment on somebody else's post. I may start with resharing somebody's post. Then I may start with posting one thing that's not controversial. I'm slowly growing my capacity to tolerate being online. Maybe I want to improve my social skills so that I can meet more people or find a partner or build up a bigger social network. It may be just too much to jump into a networking event or to join a club. So I can start with something simple like making eye contact with somebody that I pass on the street. Then maybe saying hello to somebody. Then maybe I agree to having coffee with a good friend. And then maybe eventually I agree to them inviting somebody to come along and join us. Slowly, inch by inch, we are growing our capacity. The most important thing is not to underestimate the importance of these tiny micro-shifts. A huge ocean is made up of drops of water. I often think of growing up in Quebec where we used to go on field trips and we would go sugaring off. Now in Quebec, what that basically means is you go visit a farm where they make maple syrup. And they would usually take us around to show us the whole process. It would always amaze me how the first tree they took us to. They would show us how like they would put the tap in the tree and then attach a bucket to it. And very slowly, one tiny little drop would come out from the tree. Then they would move us to another tree to show us what the bucket would look like, you know, after a day. I can't remember what the increments of time were, but they would keep showing us how the bucket would get more and more full. And I just know at some point that bucket became full, was transferred over to larger containers. Eventually, it was put into a huge vat that was just boiled and boiled and boiled. They'd boil it down. Eventually, it would become the syrup. I may be missing some steps here. This is when I was younger, but this is by my recollection. It would become the syrup. They would pour it on the snow. We would take our popsicle sticks. We'd roll all the syrup in the snow and get this maple syrup taffy treat. It was amazing. Now, like I said, I probably messed up the whole process and skipped a bunch of steps, but I think my point still stands. One tiny drop comes out of a tree and eventually turns into massive amounts of maple syrup. You can grow your capacity one drop at a time. If you find it hard to feel safe, then try to create or find a micro moment of safety. Maybe it is just with somebody that you love, a friend, or maybe you find a therapist or a coach that offers you a moment of safety. But you slowly build up your capacity by introducing these micro moments over and over and over. And there is no rush. In fact, if you try to rush it, you might lose some capacity because your nervous system feels pressured and pressure is danger. As you grow your capacity, you also want to be reminding yourself that there's no one wrong way to do it. There's no judgment here. There's no finish line you have to get to. Drop by drop, line upon line, start introducing simple colors into your wardrobe and start wearing those colors for a few minutes here or there with different people on different occasions and watch how your capacity grows. And remember, if you're interested in learning more about your nervous system and taking a deep dive into befriending your nervous system, then make sure you're on my email list. You can also get on the waiting list for my advanced training, but just get on my email list because I have a few ideas of a few things for the new year that may help and you may want to be a part of. That's what I have for you today. Enjoy building your capacity. It is a journey, and we want to find some joy on the journey, even if it is only for a micro moment. Those micro moments will build and build and build. Have a great week. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching.